0: Story of Ruth and reading Ruth chapter 2 and the first 13 verses. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields. And pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they call back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, Listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, Go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law Since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls.
1: Uh, We started last week on this story of Ruth, and to remind ourselves of where we've got to, we saw that there was a a man called Elimelech, uh, and Elimelech uh, was of the family of God in the sense that he'd been born into uh, a family which was part of the, the dynasty of Abraham. He was, he was an Israelite. Uh, and Elimelech and his family, uh, they experienced famine. They were, they were faced with death. Uh, and they did something, or Elimelech decided to do something, which was um, for God's people, Uh, a surprising and a wrong thing. He decided to desert the security that God was providing, even though there was famine, and to go off to 50 miles away to a place called Moab that was outside of God's provision, uh, and to live in Moab and to take his family there. As we see the story unfolding, what we see is that uh, over a a period of years, we don't really know how long, but uh, 10 years is the timescale that we're talking about them being there, and um, during that time, uh, Elimelech dies, Marlon and Killian die, who are the two sons of Elimelech and Naomi. Uh, and Naomi is left then with, uh, alone with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. There is a massive crisis in this family. Uh, and so uh, Naomi encourages the girls to stay with their people, They were Moabiteses, they they lived in Moab beforehand. Marlon and Killian uh, met them while they were uh, there with their father, they got married. And uh, Ruth Ruth and and Orpah were encouraged by Naomi to stay in Moab with their people. They no longer had the security uh, of this family unit, their husbands to provide in, in in a life without social services and all of that kind of thing. Um, security in those days in the ancient world was found in families. Uh, and so Naomi encourages the girls to stay behind uh, and she encourages them to, uh, to, to just live their lives, to find a new life. Orpah decides to stay and with great tears they separate. Ruth makes one of the, just one of the most dramatic statements that we see in the Bible. Uh, she, she pleads with Naomi. Uh, She encourages her and says, listen, do do not push me away. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. And then she says this, your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If anything but death separates you and me. Ruth is making a dramatic commitment here. But she's not making it simply as a commitment to Naomi. It sounds like that to our ears. But in, 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 rea- in reality, what she's doing is she's making a huge commitment to the God of Naomi. She's saying, I will be considered as one of you. I, I want to be. Don't push me away from the opportunity... To worship your God. Because I know that if I if I stay in Moab, I'll, I'll lose connection with the God who I've come to know through being a part of this family. Don't push me away from that God. Don't separate me. I, I am committing myself to you because I am first and foremost committing myself to the God who has been introduced to, to me through your life. And that is powerful, isn't it? It's powerful in the sense that I guess that for most of us, uh, we, we come into contact with the message of, of, of Jesus, with the message of the Bible, through somebody else either inviting us along, we see their lives, we have conversations, they're not perfect, they mess up, but there is something that, that is going on deeper. Now just think about this. Ruth is, is connected to this family that has gone through crisis, absolute disaster. Husband dies, two sons die, and therefore two other husbands die. I mean, this is family crisis. And yet, for Ruth, she sees something in the life that Naomi lives, and she says, there is something deeper going on for you. Don't push me away. Now we find um, that, that Ruth and Naomi, they travel back, um, to Bethlehem, to the place where uh, Ma- Elimelech and Naomi first lived. And we see now in our first verse of our reading, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. That's how it opens up to us. That's almost like, um, that's like a quick statement for us of explanation. That doesn't actually uh, become part of any of the decision-making factors that Naomi and Ruth go through. That's what we're going to see this afternoon. That's like an opening statement for us, uh, just to cue us in to what's going on. There's there's some help. There's there's a glimmer of hope here, but it's a glimmer of hope that we are let into before Naomi and Ruth experience it. This opening statement. The reason that we can say that is because what we see is that Ruth and Naomi have this conversation going on. uh, And Ruth says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. The word that's used um, later on and the word that was used generally is gleaning. So uh, you know the pictures of what harvesting used to be like, where um, there would be just a huge number of, of people out in the fields using hand tools to cut down the grain and gather in the grain. Inevitably, there would have been grain that spilled o- spills onto the floor. Uh, and then following up the harvesters would be people who would, co- women particularly in that day, who would collect the grain into little bags, and that would be uh, their, their livelihood. That would be what they live off, collecting the grain that has been missed By the harvesters. Uh, And Ruth says to Naomi, look, it's harvest time. We need to get grain in. We need to live somehow. We need to survive. I'm just going to go out into the fields. I'm going to, wherever I can find favor, wherever I'm allowed to follow the harvesters, because there's a little bit of a kind of a, there's a little bit of a click or an inner circle of favors. uh, And no doubt, some of those favors would be uh, of the more kind of uh, unacceptable favours to be able to follow on from the harvesters. You know, uh, these women who were poor are inevitably going to be faced with the likelihood of being abused in some way to be allowed to follow these men and, and, and collect the grain. Because when all's said and done, their lives depended on it. The collecting the grain. It's very easy for us, isn't it, to fall into a, a, a picture of this story where we think this is kind of a nice, sweet little s- autumn picture of collecting in the grain where everything looks kind of beautiful and, and, and picturesque, the kind of John Constable painting kind of thing, where we it looks pretty. These women potentially were facing... Uh, physical and sexual abuse from the men who were harvesting uh, and ruth is going out exposing herself to danger and saying look uh, wherever i can find favor i'm going to go ahead naomi says go ahead my daughter there is no connection here there is no connection to boaz in that in that conversation naomi doesn't say oh by the way listen ruth let me give you a tip there's this guy called Boaz. Try and find his field. Because what we actually read is so she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And then we say, as it turned out, <laughs> she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. is that amazing? She finds herself. You know, this this... In human terms, this twist of fate that, that allows uh, Ruth to find herself in the field of Boaz, where we've had the, the opening heads up, if you like, to say there is this guy called Boaz who's part of the family of Elimelech, uh, and, and it happens that she ends up in that. Particular field. They're destitute, these women. There is a tentative hope, and it just so happens that Ruth finds herself in the field of that hope. It just so happens that she finds herself in Boaz's field. What were to do? What were to look into that, as, as that is explained to us, we're given a little bit of a, a tip-off by the opening verse. By being told that Boaz existed, by being told that, that there is this family connection, that there is this possibility of hope, and then finding that, that Ruth and Naomi don't, don't seek to exercise that hope, and she just finds herself there. What the writer of this story is trying to suggest to us with, with a beautiful construction of the way he's presented it is, was it fate? Did it just so happen that she turned up in the field of Boaz? Or is there something more going on? I want to ask why, why we're here this afternoon. For those of us who uh, have come to know Jesus as the true and living God, just think about how that pathway worked for you to find yourself not just here, but as one who trusts in Jesus. Just think about the way that uh, events worked out in your life that we find ourselves here Uh, and maybe for us as we listen to this we're asking the question how did I ever get here how is it that I'm finding uh, something about this message which is just it's just touching me is it fate does it just happen that way you know what the writer is trying to say here is no no there is something greater there is something behind this now In fairness, I'm giving you a tip-off for the way the story unfolds there. We're just at the beginning of the story. What we actually see as the story unfolds over the next chapters is that's exactly how it's working out. But but I want to be up front. That the way this story uh, does unfold in front of us is that Ruth doesn't just happen to find herself in a field which belongs to Boaz. Oh yeah, in human terms, she just went out and she found favor with these particular harvesters. They allowed her to glean in their field uh, and it happened to be Boaz's field, but that's not the way God planned it, to just happen like that. His intent was that Ruth would find herself in that field. That's where she would be. That gleaning in a field. Isn't that an amazing thought? And then we find um, in verse 4, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. So here's this, this, um, this man who, who appears in the scene on the scene. Boaz, he, he's an older guy and uh, he's, he's this one who we've been given the information regarding that he's part of the family of Naomi's uh, deceased husband. There is a possibility that this guy might be some help. But but our, our, our Bible antenna should be kind of tweaking a little bit at this point uh, because there's a, a reference used. There's something specific going on. Uh, and almost no matter where we are in our understanding of the Bible, there is sufic- sufficient in that verse for us to go, hmm, hang on. Bethlehem? Yeah, Bethlehem? Does that, does that ring a bell? Does Bethlehem ring a bell in our minds? Which well, it should. A- and that's what the author is trying to suggest to us here. Bethlehem becomes unfolding through the story of the Old Testament uh, and into the New Testament, Bethlehem becomes one of those triggers for us. Look at what is being said there. Is it possible that help might come from Bethlehem? <laughs> this is written a thousand years. These, this, this event took place a thousand years before Jesus. It's in the day of the judges. We're told that at the beginning. God's people have, have uh, come out of Egypt They've gone into the land that God has given to them. There's no establishment of the kingdom. It's a thousand years before Jesus. And yet there's this little pointer to say, Bethlehem. Maybe it's possible that a saviour just for this family could come from Bethlehem. That's what the the writer is unfolding for us. Is it possible that a Savior could emerge from Bethlehem? Why is it Bethlehem? Is that not another pathway that God is taking this family down? Not just for the sake of this family, but for the sake of you and me as well. For us to say that there is a God who is behind all of this, who is shaping the events of life right across the board, across a thousand years, for one family to be a pointer to something that is going on, something that is going to happen in the future. And what we find is that as Boaz arrives in this field, he brings the blessing of God from Bethlehem. at another pointer. What does Jesus do? He brings the blessing of God from Bethlehem. He declares the blessing of God to those who hear, from from Bethlehem. That's where he comes from, and he brings the blessing of God. It's this remarkable, what's going on here? And here we see, Boaz arrives, and you can almost hear it, can't you? He kind of arrives, and he's known. He is the boss. He turns up at the field, but he seems to be a good man. And uh, the Lord be with you, he shouts a blessing. Bethlehem uh, and those who are in the working away in the fow- field uh, the Lord bless you they shout back it's obviously uh, the greeting that they use as Boaz arrives in the field but he spots something Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters whose young woman is that obviously I don't know what the arrangement is but there's some arrangement isn't there? that some connection some partnering of the gleaners with with people. You know, the gleaners have got to have some connection and yet we find here, Ruth has no connection. And Boaz notices her. He's, He's obviously got his finger on the pulse of what's going on in this field. But I think as we see this story unfolding, there's something a little bit more. You know, it's that kind of um, in the in the kind of words of the Madonna song, eyes meeting across a smoky room. Well, it's not a smoky room. It's out in the fields, and uh, but it is that. Here's Boaz, mm, who's that in that field, gleaning. The foreman replied, She's the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. Oh, there's another there's trigger point for Boaz, right? Okay, Naomi, Elimelech's wife, right? Uh, and she said, She asked, she's asked whether she can glean. Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. He kind of says, You know what, Boaz? She hasn't stopped. She's had, she's had a short break beating down sun, incredibly hot, gleaning in the field, but she's worked like a Trojan. She just hasn't stopped. She is, she's, I'll tell you, she's, she's spot on, this girl. She's working like crazy. In fact, later on we read that Boaz finds out even more when we read in verse 11, I've been told all about you that what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Boaz Boaz doesn't just find out who she is. He does the background information. He he, he starts to make the the kind of deep inquiries. Uh, And what we see just opening up here is that Love story breaking out. Now, it doesn't look particularly kind of Hollywood glamour and, and romance, does it in a field collecting grain. That's because we've been tuned in to Hollywood. We've been tuned into the romance of Hollywood. You know, we don't find a bag of grain and collecting some seed behind some harvest is romantic. But that's how it's portrayed. Boaz notices Ruth. And he starts to make some connections. He starts to see a woman of character. He starts to see a woman who is worthy and who is a woman of quality. He said, I know what you've done, he says. I know how you've committed. But even more than that, I know that you have done this because of your commitment to God because of your commitment to your mother-in-law even after death you've been committed to it uh, and there's this it starts to happen here it, the, the, the kind of you know the, the lark starts singing the music starts playing that orchestra at the back of the field starts going and we've got a love story going on as Boaz notices Ruth Want to ask, what does that respond in? Guys, what does it respond in? How does Boaz respond as love starts to break out? We'll look at verse 8. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the fields where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. Now listen, I've told the man not to touch you. Remember when I mentioned earlier about the, the danger for women who were gleaning in fields that were, they were not connected to, where she was just going out and trying to survive the outcome of Boaz breaking out in love for Ruth is that she start, he starts to protect her. He says, look, Ruth, I've told the men, they're not going to touch you. Whatever you do, you make sure that you stay with my girls. Don't do anything outside of this field. Whenever you're thirsty, go and drink. Get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. In other words, he starts to present a a picture of what the Bible describes as love, what the Bible describes as connection. We we have got so mixed up with with the way we understand love and long-term commitment and relationship because of everything that we see, I, in movies and in stories guys what does this uh, what does this man do as he sees love beginning to work in his heart he says right i'm going to protect and i'm going to provide you know that's pretty irresistible isn't it that's pretty irresistible when somebody comes along and says i'm going to protect And I'm going to provide. And yet, guys, that is exactly how we are called as men to be men. You know, there are two stories going on here. There is the story of uh, a man and a woman just falling in love. But there's something else going on. There is a picture of guidance for us. There is a picture of what it is to truly display love. Protection and provision. You know, long term protection. My love for you means I care for you, I protect you. I, and for Ruth, why, why is there an appeal to Ruth? We have no description of what she looks like at this point. But what we see, what draws Boaz to Ruth, she's a woman of character. She's a woman of character. And that, that just kind of blows away our ideas of love and relationship as Hollywood displays it. She's a woman of character and Boas responds with relationship which displays protection and provision. She turns around and she says, she just bows down on her face and she exclaims, because I guess, I guess it's just huge relief. For Ruth, at this point i guess it's just huge relief the boss turns up what's he going to say to her is he going to kick her off snatch away the grain that she's already collected you know maybe that's the best thing the worst thing is that she could be abused in one way or another and she just kind of falls on why have i found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose winds you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. Ruth begins to see this this Boaz, this this. One who is going to come from Bethlehem and is going to protect me and is going to provide for me and is, is, gonna, is not going to abuse me. Well, this, this one who's come from Bethlehem, I can trust it. Now, now, up to now, we've just been looking at an interrelationship between a man and a woman. But we know, don't we, that the Bible is trying to point us to something else. It's kind of preparing us. Yes, it's a wonderful story. Yes, it's a wonderful uh, relationship that's going on. But there is something bigger. There is something deeper. Jesus says uh, to uh, a Canaanite woman, a woman who is a foreigner, a woman who is separated from God's people. Jesus uh, is approached by this Canaanite woman. uh, And she comes to him crying, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. it's It's a bit of a parallel story, really, because just like Ruth, she's a foreigner coming to God in Jesus. And she says, look, I'm a foreigner. I'm a Canaanite woman, but have mercy on me. Jesus didn't answer a word. His disciples came to him and urged him, just send her away. She keeps crying after us. You know, the disciples, they're just not clued into Jesus and his approach. They just get rid of her. You know, I guess maybe that's the way some of Boaz's men might have wanted Boaz to respond to Ruth. You know, she's a foreigner. She, she, she doesn't deserve to be here. Just get, get shut of her. We can get somebody else in from our own people who can collect the grain as well as she can. And yet Boaz says, no, let's protect her. Let's provide for her. Jesus says nothing. The disciples try to get rid of her. Uh, And then Jesus says something which is just, it seems, just crushing. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, (laughs) you can't come in. Not, f- I wasn't sent for you. I wasn't sent for you. The woman's response is just remarkable. She says, "Yes, Lord," she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The dogs uh, was a term that was used for for Gentiles, for everybody who was outside of God's people. It was just like a, it was just like the the. Uh, pejorative term that was used, the the kind of critical term that was used to describe people who were outside of Israel. And she says, look, I'm a dog. But even the dogs eat from the crumbs underneath the master's table. In other words, I see you as the master, not just of this individual situation. I see you as the master of this world. I see you as the master who can provide security and help and intervention with my daughter who is demon possessed. You know, that is some master that she's seeing there, isn't it? And and she says, look, I, I think that you can help me. Please allow me just to have the crumbs. A bit like Ruth saying, just let me have the little bits of grain that are left behind, the harvesters. Just let me have the bits, the straggle ends. I'm a foreigner. I don't deserve it, but will you provide for me? And Jesus says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What a connection. What an intervention of God. What, what a wonderful breaking into this world of God, God's authority, God's power, where He says, I'll release you, I'll, I'll free you, I'll provide for you, I'll allow those crumbs to fall, and even more, I'll bring you into relationship with me. something which we need to understand. We're all like Ruth. We're all like the Canaanite woman. We're all, if you like, separated from God. We're all cut off from God. And yet, the wonderful message of this little story of Ruth and Boaz, it starts to unfold, is this. That, that she, starts, she, she is seen by Boaz we're seen by Jesus. And, and He's not giving us some kind of a stoical provision. He loves us. He looks on us with affection and love, just like Boaz is beginning to, 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 to display to Ruth. He provides us with protection. He provides us with provision. But that is ultimately seen in the fact that He provides life. He pr- 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 provides relief and release From satanic power, from the power of death. Jesus allows those crumbs to fall from his table, so that we might be fed those crumbs, so that eventually what we see is that we become described as the as a bride. You know, as a love as this love story unfolds, what we finally see, uh, this timeless this love story across all of history, the love story that Jesus unfolds before us is that ultimately, yes, there is. There is a bride and a bridegroom. There is a love story. There is something deeper. But the lo- love story is the bride, is that it's God, it's Jesus. Sorry, the bridegroom is Jesus and the bride is God's people. Says in Revelation, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I I guess that one of the things, one of the challenges that we face here is that Boaz is just a picture. He's a picture of something better. I, I guess for many the idea of somebody being in, in Boaz shoes, who's protecting and providing in that way, it just kind of falls apart. Reality of life says that, fo- that falls apart. It doesn't work like that. And yet, wonderfully, Jesus says, you know what? I'm the perfect Boaz. I'm the one who will always perfectly provide. I am the one who will always perfectly protect I'm the one which will give that ultimate relationship that can never be broken. I'm the ultimate Boaz. But, but it's not some stoical giving that Jesus provides. He loves us. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't it even more remarkable that God prepares us, God prepares this world for hearing this story by allowing the incidents of one little family way back, a thousand years before Jesus, 3,000 years ago, to start to display that there's going to be a saviour from Bethlehem. One who ultimately and completely provides and protects.